0: Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore.
1: You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church.
2: Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The Great and Powerful uh, has spoken. Who are you? Oh, I, I, I am the Great and Powerful
0: Wizard of Oz.
3: Welcome back to Out of Oz. Billing 28 Church podcast, where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christian culture with on, compassion, conviction. And courage, almost as good as
1: Deshaun does it. Dang. Yes, oh almost. Yeah, oh, so oh,
3: so I, I would love for you to take the intro. That would be. I would like nothing more. Don't let him get in your head. I used to like to read it. I used to just like to read it. It was much better. With me, unfortunately, is Aaron Curran.
1: I'm ready to die on this hill. One day we'll do it without him, but not that day is not today. Not today, my friend. Not today. When the rapture comes, not this day. Oh man, that's all right. So love all these guys. These guys are awesome. We're just having fun here. Hey, I hate if you, if you don't like the banter. Oh, yeah, Stop if you don't watching. like the sarcasm, there are other options. If you don't like the picking, if you don't like the coward, you can just you know. I'm out. <laughs> <Yes>. I'm out. <laughs> all right, <laughs> to get down to uh, the matter at hand, this to be fun. This is a good one. This yeah. is actually a really good fun. one. This is one
0: that came from Sunrise, by the way. Well, I was say, oh, yeah,
1: but okay. I mean, I was I was about to say we hear these questions all the time. Yeah, Sunrise oh, nice. repping today. Ooh. All right here, um, fresh. Feels good, Fresh. man. Feels good. Fresh. Um, but we get these kind of questions all the time, and it is true. The old adage is that the fundamentalist kind of your hardcore um, fighting fundies of Christianity they will fight over every doctrine, and the kind of theological minimalist or liberal will fight over no doctrine. And so there's a lot of confusion in Christianity, and amidst amidst this confusion and chaos of modern Christianity. Uh, That dreaded H word, heretic, is haphazardly tossed about with reckless derision toward anyone opposing certain stated truths or um, things that we think are really important. And seemingly more than ever, the divisions between Christ followers are widening Mm -hmm. and believers are choosing many hills or by contrast, almost zero hills to die on. Mm -hmm. As we survey the Christian landscape taking in the division while submitting to the truth, the question that stares each of us in the face is this. What is absolutely foundational to true Christianity or stated otherwise? What hills should Christians be willing to die defending? And to help us answer these questions, our martyrs for today. <laughs> Boogie, back in the house. Back Our again. of students for those members who don't know him our pastor <laughs> of, <laughs> our, our pastor oh, our pastor of <laughs> students and education who is that guy that oh, oh, oh my oh, gosh, was, just <laughs> <tried> that <laughs> Adam just taking it too far as usual <laughs> oh, no we got it that's great that's great Sorry. Oh, and oh, our, newest, our newest our newest hire here i like, building okay. 28 oh my god all sides of misinformation around him no pastor hopefully hopefully in God's <laughs> glorious plan, um, post-millennial plan, um, that uh, the good will come to us. But no, the pastor of Sunrise Community Church up in Newport Ritchie, soon to be doctor, yeah, uh, cha- the chancellor of theology, is- hopefully, super Adam Powers. That's it. Good to be here. And we have, we have Pete here. <laughs> All right. So our, Peter, de- our deacon, our host. The. The. the holds, Peter. Tragos. I wish I could say the one why. and
3: only, but that wouldn't be true. I would not. Um,
1: <laughs> all right, let's do this thing. All right, What are we talking about? So Hills to Die On. Okay? Hills to so, Die let me, On. Let
3: me just give you a layman's explanation of what this means to me, and then we'll get to the pastors. So Hills to Die On to me is what is most important in our faith in Christianity? What makes you a Christian? If you do not believe these things, you are not a Christian, right? Because we only die on hills as Christians that... Are worth dying on, so that's what we're going to get into today. Is what in Christianity is actually worth dying on? Because we fight about so many things, right? Whether or not to drink alcohol, uh, tattoos, uh, Armenian, Calvinist, Trinity, not Trinity, um, whether or not Jesus was the Messiah or whether he was just a really good he prophet was. and teacher. Like there are all sorts of these arguments for or the Mary, the the infallibility of Mary. There are all sorts of arguments in the Christian realm and in different denominations. That's what usually makes us different denominations, but which ones of those are actually what we call the end-all, be-all and the hills to die on? So where do you start when you try to determine what a hill to die on? And we are going to get into specifics about some things that are hills to die on and some things that are absolutely not. But before we get to the specifics, how do you attack a question like this as a pastor? Deshaun, you start.
2: So I like to put this into, which is not original to me for those. There's a great book. Nothing's by, original. Yes, hey, and you're right. So it's a book by the na- name, my um, guy named Gavin Orland called Finding the Right Hills to Die On. And in the book, um, he does a good job of helping to kind of think through what are the categories that we put these issues into. So there's four that he puts. Um, the first one being is, all right, these are the firsthand issues, primary issues, that if we disagree upon these, we're talking about a different religion and we can get into some of what those are. And then the second tier is hey, these are things that still do matter. They're not to the first tier of somebody's not a believer, but these are the things that we need to agree upon to be a part of the same church, to co-labor with one another. And then the Third one is these are issues that we can differ on, um, but it may impact some of our relationships and our partnerships outside of the church. And then the fourth tier is just basically issues that we should differ uh, upon, but it shouldn't cause any division. We can just have different opinions. And so I think it's helpful for us is whether you use that or whatever kind of um, tier system or something to think through is to have some kind of thought process of, what is of first importance? What is of secondary? And what are some things that we can just differ on? And it's completely fine. And so that's what I would say is the first thing you need to do is figure out what is that kind of system or thought process for yourself.
1: In conjunction with that, because I read that book yesterday and it's good, it, it's helpful. I think the principles which we'll work through today was what was really helpful of, of determining this. But in our membership class here, um, which obviously some of our viewers have been through, but I lay out on the whiteboard kind of the structure of... A house, and you've seen this mm-hmm. Sean several times sitting through our class, Pete's obviously seen it, but the structure of a house, then the interior walls of a house, and then the furniture and, and furnishings of a house. And i talked through that certain of those aspects are more important than others. Um, that the foundation of your home, the exterior walls are more important than the inner non-load bearing walls, but those inner non-load bearing walls are more important than the pictures you have on the wall and the sofa that you have in the corner. And it, I think that's how we need to see these doctors. Maybe that diagram will be helpful for people because to us here at Building 28, it's always been, without defining what those walls are right now, we will in the podcast, but at this moment, but the core foundational um, gospel-centric doctrines are the foundation of the home. And those are never going to be moved. They're not going to be messed with. You're not going to reorient them. They're, they're in place. The interior walls are your philosophy and vision and so, some would say secondary doctrines so you're not going to bring in a contract. You're going to bring in a contract. You're not. You're not I'm not going to come home this afternoon. My wife is torn down interior walls, dust everywhere. We're going to bring in a contract for that. We're going to tape off. We're going to plan for it. And that's how I think a church and Christians should go with secondary doctrines. Like they're still critically important. They help kind of frame out things for us. They undergird and support. And even some tertiary doctrines do as well, These these third degree doctrines. Um, and so, uh, you know, your philosophy, your mission, your vision, all that kind of stuff is is secondary. And those are the kind of interior walls that take planning if you're going to renavigate them. And then what Ortland would call, you know, fourth degree or fourth level or whatever it was, fourth tier, um, is what we would call furniture here. And that's what people get so up in arms about and get so divided about a lot of mm-hmm. times. Um, the sound of music, the, the pieces in the band, the, you know, certain things in the church. Yeah, politics to a certain extent. Well, I'm just saying. Uh, I'm we're saying. Not look, look, like, we're not, uh, <laughs>
2: if we're it's not, if it's, I
1: mean, if it's not moral in nature, if Amen. it's not moral in nature. Amen. But the idea is, is that, is that the, he states in the book, and I agree with him. Those things don't actually matter, other than how they facilitate how we hear the rest of doctrine. Like doctrine's what matters in the church. Methods per se, if they're not sinful, don't necessarily matter. They're kind of the furniture that we can take or leave, and move around the yeah. church. And so, sunrise looks a lot different. Methodologically, it does. Then Building Twenty Eight, but philosophically, when it comes to vision, mission, and then theology, I think we're probably very, very similar. For here. sure. So, for sure.
0: As we begin this, some of my initial thoughts right along the line of what we're talking about here, but this came from one of our members up at Sunrise. Uh, the wife of our uh, pastoral intern actually brought this to us. Her name is Dina, and she said, "You know, the past few years." especially the past few years, there's been such disagreement among the church globally, and especially here in our country, that it's it's almost become second nature to talk about doctrine as if, oh, well, that's not a hill to die on. That's not a hill to die on. That's not a hill to die on. And she came up to me, and she said, so what are, what would you say are the hills to die on? And I was like, that's a really good question. I think I have an answer, but I need to think about it Real quick. And my initial thought was not only what are the hills to die on? So, what's that top tier doctrines that either make you a Christian or put you in a different religion? But what does it mean? What are we talking about to die on? Like, are we talking about these are the things that we must stand upon and get really passionate about? Or are we talking about someone's got a gun to your head and saying, unless you repent of this belief,
1: I'm pulling the trigger? So what are we talking about? I'd say that's that one is what I'm looking at, saying, saying, you know, would you say, hey, I'm, I think, I think this brings in kind of point one of what I would say when we talk about Mm. doctrine, especially foundational doctrine, is the certainty of it, like, like how certain are we? Oh man! You know, no, is no, that I, how I, you would define it? I, I think that's like a, hill to, to die on.
3: Head. How would you define hill to die on?
2: I would say it's a combination of both those things. Actually, I oh, think oh. in going to die for it, but also he said. <laughs> in the whole time of going through it, you should be passionate about it. We shouldn't be indifferent um, until there's a moment of life or death. But I think being passionate about
1: it, even up to the point of life. Or let death. me let me clarify. Just because you're cert- like so, for example, I am certain, I'm a hundred percent convinced on predestination that's true, unconditional, election. Yeah. Yeah. But I would not say that, that is a hill to dial. So it's got to uh, be more than certainty. It, yeah. It's gotta, it, it has got. to at Let least ask, be certainty is what yeah, I'm saying. You have yeah. to at least be certain. If you're like flaking, you're like, oh, I'm 90% on this or I'm 60% on this, then that is, I would say, most certainly not a hill to dial. So you have to at least be certain, but it takes more than certainty. Let me That's ask if I'll this be.
3: definition helps yeah. what you're saying. Because the way I always thought about it, which is different than how you guys are describing it now, kind of at least. My thought for a hill to die on is, if you don't believe it, you're going to hell. That's it. That's kind of how I feel.
0: That's your death. Because Arius in the third century, fourth century, was very uncertain if Christ was truly divine. And the whole council of Nicaea proved him wrong. And from history, we have also proven him wrong. And he felt certain about his belief, but he was entirely wrong. So, it's got to be more than certainty, right? I'm saying it's
1: more than certainty. Yeah. You yeah. At least I think that's what certainty. he's saying is you, you do yeah. have to at least be to at certain least be about certainty. It. There's other factors that come in, like the historicity sure. of yeah. the stock. Yeah, 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 and right? just because
2: you're certain about it doesn't mean you have to be able to explain it fully or understand. That's why when you put up your point of um, those hills to die or things that if people don't, you said don't believe, is that what you said? Yeah. Be? If you
3: don't believe it, you're going to hell. Okay. So, you need to believe this to get to heaven.
2: So, I agree with it, but there's a pause for me in it of there's a difference between somebody not understanding kind of, like the Trinity, because when I was first. Became a believer. I couldn't explain all this stuff that and we're talking through. And that's why I through. would
3: never say explain it or understand it. But you it believed full. it.
2: I, but yeah, but, what I, I would, yes, but I would say, I think it goes a little bit further than, because as people are trying to conceptualize and understand it, I think it's more in if you deny it, is a bigger, like a threshold where... Let's say, for example, somebody comes to you and says, hey, this I mean, is the understanding of the Trinity. And you may say, I can't wrap my head around it fully. But if I go as far as, which I've heard people tell me, like, no, that's wrong. Or I deny yeah. that reality about Christ or anything along that lines. And so I think it's more in the denial less than the like full understanding. So, yeah, I, I
3: think I,
1: denial is more potent than affirmation yeah. is powerful. Like, yeah.
3: But if somebody really says, uh, I, can't, I can't wrap my head around it. I can't explain it or define it. Do you think they're a Christian? Like if if they if they can't even go as far as to like at least say there there are three beings in the Bible, all perfect and holy, all with different functions, but the Bible says they are one God. I don't know how. I don't know how it's possible that one can be a father and a son, but one. But there are three and they are one God. I think that's a hill to die on. I think no, I if agree. you're a Christian, you at least can you understand God, the father and what he did and his role. You understand Jesus Christ and, and what, and you understand the Holy spirit and what they, all their functions and how they're like, I, I get it. I wouldn't be able to create a TV character. That's a Trinitarian character, but like, (laughs) please don't, (laughs) but I'm just saying, I think that that's, that's an important distinction. And
2: I'm agreeing with you that that is a hill to die. And what I'm saying is for the people who are, Trying to figure out, like, all right, I don't understand, so whatever. I'm saying, if they go to the point of saying, "I deny fill in the blank hills that we decide to die on," that's when they're falling off. Not
1: necessarily in, "Hey, I'm wrestling through trying to figure out and understand." Well, it's just like a child. Like most children, when they're converted, or even if you're witnessing someone on the street or you're discipling mm-hmm. yeah. somebody, when they come to faith in Christ and conversion takes place, right? They don't. A lot of times, they don't. They can't. Even begin to affirm a trinitarian relationship. Um, what we believe is that the Spirit will guide true believers into all truth, and so over the course of time, th- they will not deny it. I mean, they might initially, "Daddy, I don't understand that. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, right. three, th- three persons, one God." But as you begin to explain it and walk through Scripture with them, a true believer by the Spirit of God will affirm that. But what I'm saying is, I agree with the Sean, that denial is more potent, meaning that a true believer will not, even if they don't understand something, even if they can't yet affirm something, because it's not been explained to them, that they're not going to out and out deny something once it's explained to them that is a cardinal doctrine of the faith, or else there's outside of the faith. Like, yeah. they're not yeah. in the faith anymore. I mean, and
3: I think most kids would be able to define the three gods. They might not understand that they're one gods. God. They might not understand
0: <laughs> that they are Whoa. one God.
3: I'm just saying. I think that they would at least be able <laughs> to <geez>. define <laughs> yeah. and discuss
0: the threeness and oneness of. God.
3: Right. But they yeah. and I think they might not be able to conceptualize that it's one God. It may right. seem like three gods to yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. We whatever. have fun
0: chats at home during family yes. worship about the Trinity sometimes. Yeah, it's it is. It's interesting
3: kids. to to think about. <laughs> but okay, so we've kind of got where we're coming at this from and what it actually means. Yep. Yep. You know, whether or not it's gun to your head or you're going to hell if you deny it. I feel like we've all kind of agreed with that stance at least. That if if this is something you deny, we believe you're going to hell. Right. Mm-hmm. And that seems harsh, but the point is, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. Right. So it's what makes you a Christian or not. What makes you a child of God or not. What makes you elect or not. So, what are they? Yeah. I'd like to get to some specifics. Let's get
1: specific yeah. here. And
3: then we can what talk about what are these hills.
1: So, or can you guys asked this. Can I ask you this way? Yes. Because I talked about Ortlund, he, he quotes Grudem in there and he, he quotes mm-hmm. Calvin. In, and they had, I think it's helpful for Christians to have certain principles that they apply. To discovering, in a sense, I mean, I think it's important for pastors, like hopefully Bible-believing, Jesus-loving pastors, to also say, hey, these are the hills, these are the issues. But like, um, as as Christians are trying to navigate everything that's going on in the world around us today, what kind of principles would you guys, and you and the well, Pete, kind of, kind of present to them uh, as you're thinking through foundational, secondary, tertiary, non-consequential, you know, like I brought up certainty. It, it it needs to at least be that. It needs to be more than that, but it needs to at least be that. Another thing is, I would bring up historicity. Like, has the church believed this? The church, as a consensus, scholastically and and historically believed this across the centuries. So
3: that that could be my ignorance. That would not be one of my principles. So like, I don't,
1: I don't know h- church history
3: like you do. Yeah, but I think the average person could find a lot of problems in church history that. If that's one of your main principles, I think you could be led astray sure. if you know it as well as you do and are able to read and say, oh, yeah, well, those guys were crazy in church history. But like a normal person reading, this is what the church believed or how the church came through history.
1: So so what I mean is, is and I'll keep this really unboring and really, <laughs> really, really simple. Um, Powers already brought up Council of Nicaea in 325, where a that's basically very simply put a conglomeration of pastors scholars got together and said, was Jesus really God? And and, in kind of refutation to the teachings of Arian. And they said, yes, he is. And so, and they base that on the teachings of the apostle in Christ and the writings of scripture, but even like the canonization of scripture, like we're all like, oh, scripture alone. And that's important. Like we believe this, but where did we get the conglomeration, the putting yeah, together of the my, library of books. One of my questions. It's from church history. It's yeah. from this ancient tradition. Um, and so what I, you know, we, we say here often, if it's new, theologically it's wrong. Like, you, you know that, we we say that often because if it can't be traced back to the Reformation, to the church uh, fathers, to, to, the church fathers yeah. to, to early church, on the fourth century, to the healthy periods of church history. So we're not talking dark ages. We're not talking about the compromise of Rome. We're talking about healthy periods of church history. Um, the creeds, And the confessions, but especially the creeds, because the confessions are super helpful. But they kind of unpack a lot of that secondary and even tertiary issues, whereas the creeds, like especially the Apostles' Creed or even the Nicene Creed, are just foundational statements put together from the base of Scripture, but put together by church fathers historically. So that's what I mean by— So absolutely, that that should be
3: a principle when you're talking about those specific things, right? So if you're
1: Russell, who I think was the founder of Jehovah's Witness, and you're walking out going, Jesus wasn't really God, clearly that's unbiblical, but also it flies in the face of what the bandwidth of the church has believed— healthily throughout history. And so that's why I bring that in, because it's just important that we're not yeah. in reinventing a new Christianity, yeah, which is whatever the no, cult does. I, I
2: agree with you. And um, Solomon tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. And so there's this reality that there are many have gone before us who have worked through a lot of these issues that we're dealing with that just have new faces to them, but there are a lot of the same old issues, same heresies. And so church history, doesn't matter, not that you need to be a scholar in it, but if you're able to either ask your pastor, look up are different ways of being able to research, and we have so much access to information, so there's no reason for us not to be able to look deeper into these things, and you can just look through church history and say, was this an issue? Was this a doctrine that was spoken about, Um, and where did the church land on this, and why? And so it is
1: helpful for us to be able to just look back. Yeah. I mean, I I know, look, and I don't want to, like, sabotage this, but... I know that some of our listeners right away are like pounding their fists saying, what about the Bible? What about the Bible? You know, and clearly we're all Bible believing here. But at the same time, every single cult that is sprung out of Christianity has sprung from a misinterpretation, a non-historic interpretation of the Bible. I bring it up in our membership class, but there, there's a quote from a pamphlet called Let God Be True. And the quote goes something along the lines of. Um, We must check our prejudices at the door and submit ourselves to the truth of scripture alone. And I'm like, who all believes this? And like 80% of the class will like raise their hands. And I'm like, that's from the uh, Watchtower pamphlet. That's a Mm -hmm. Watchtower pamphlet, which is cultic. Like that is, um, they deny the deity of Christ. And so um, it's easy for us to say scripture alone and that scripture is our our source and our bedrock. And it is, but how we interpret scripture um, must be defined by scripture, but also I think church history again, like like understanding how Christians throughout the centuries have approached certain literature within scripture to unpack it and unravel it. And um and to divorce ourselves, like Augustine says, um, we have God as our father, but the church is our mother, to divorce mm-hmm. ourselves from church history and the protection of the local church even now, like a good Bible believing local church, and to say, well, my pastor doesn't believe this, and my elders don't believe this. And I'm so I think there's a lot of danger in that um of false belief. So
3: All right, let's get to some specifics. And I think the the easiest one to start with, but of course there's nuance to it, (laughs) is what about like Christian liberties, right? We'll start with kind of an outer sphere, tattoos, alcohol, things that at our church we would call Christian liberties, right? I guess at other church they would call them sin. So when you have issues like that, is that a hill to die on? No. Next. But what about things that other people would then say was a Christian liberty, like maybe having sex before you're married? They're wrong. That we would say is not. So, See, where do you draw the this line on This is where it becomes things. convoluted right, because
1: exactly. the issue of tattooing is a hold to die on. If someone is saying that you go to hell, that tattooing damns you, then all of a sudden it's escalated to a salvific issue, which it does become a hold to die on. And that's where a lot of this can go to. Or, like in the context
0: of the Old Testament, in the verse in Leviticus 19 where it forbids them, where you're tattooing yourself to get an entrance into the afterlife.
1: So, on the surface, a lot of these issues are. Just cultural issues. And that's
3: what I was going to say is basically what it comes down to for me is if you can't explain your position without crossing a hill to die on, then usually it's okay. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like the same thing, we just did a death penalty podcast. And I also, let's talk about death penalty and abortion, some political issues. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are those hills to die on? No. It's Maybe.
1: I'll say oh, man. On I will yeah, say see, that's where on I would, where I would disagree. Especially Maybe not, not on side. death penalty, the but on side. the issue of abortion. All right, let's hear it. On the issue of abortion, it is such a desecration of the Imago day and the sanctity of human life that to say, and, and I'm not saying that if you're Democrat— like, please hear me say that. I'm not saying if you're a Democrat, you're not a Christian by any stretch, but I'm saying that if you if you support I had people during the election cycle say I can never I can never get behind Trump because of his antics and his character flaws, which I agree with. He had plenty of those. But then for them to say I can get behind Biden or a Democrat based on that same metric of character, if anyone condones the massacre of innocent life. Like that, that's all I need to know about their character. Like, that's all I need to know about their belief system. Like, like if you if you start to unpack this philosophically, there's no respect for the Imago Day, at least not generally speaking, to say, hey, the master of, of human life is. And so I think it escalates very quickly up a hill to die on. Because when you start denying the Imago Day, you start denying the very fabric of Christianity and and the importance of of evangelism and on the redemption um, of why God came for his people. But you would agree that there are some circumstances where abortion is appropriate. I wouldn't agree with that. I can understand it.
3: So if the mom's going to die and they have to make a decision, you don't think that that, that that would be okay for them to make that decision.
1: I would not condemn that and judge that. It's, you would disagree with it, but you wouldn't say uh, they're uh, going to hell yes, for that. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes, I would not say so, – I'm so, saying if there is a, a blatant disregard for human life – I'm not talking about life of the mother and and health and life of the child or rape or incest or anything like that. I'm talking about if there's a blatant disregard of I think this is completely permissible. I think this is I'm, – I'm a Christ follower supposedly, but I think it's completely fine to – for women to My point is there's nuance. I, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very much it. against abortion. I get, abortion. It. Yeah. No okay. I, get it. I get what you're saying. Very much against abortion. So I, I would say that that escalates quickly up once again a hill that you go. I think it's impossible to be a follower of Christ. All right, let's hear from
3: Adam. Adam said, no. I don't think it's a hill to die, to die on.
0: I Why? think you can be a Christian and have that view, but be totally in error about that view. But that doesn't make you not a Christian. Hmm. I think the hills to die on are actually very small. I do too, actually. <laughs> but I think that this type of perhaps issue by issue thing where like each issue has a little bit
1: of a hill to die on so in me- it.
0: Is in a sense elevating all these secondary issues to to the point of the
3: conversation.
0: So I I I think think once you're presented
1: with truth, I think abortion, let me ask you this how about substitutionary atonement? Absolutely. See, I don't. Absolutely. Or else C.S. Lewis is in hell, which I know we shouldn't base our positions on. Mm. I think the atonement that Jesus accomplished something cosmic and powerful and redemptive on the cross, that is a hill to die on. Which Lewis said that. Yes. He he had had a sense
0: of it. I think his interpretation of it was wrong. (laughs) So don't get
1: me wrong. I'm just like Pete. I am just like he's ardently pro-life. I'm ardently pro-substitutionary atonement. But I think the foundational doctrine is... The atonement itself, right, the, right, the, right.
3: But I think if somebody could, if somebody can say to me that they believe on abortion, okay, because we're getting into deeper sorry, waters, sorry. yeah. But on abortion, if somebody like Adam saying can say, "I am for women's health and choice and whatever," but I believe A through Z, I don't want to get ahead on my hills to die on. Then I think it's not a hill to die on. I disagree with them. I think they're wrong. I think you, we should be presented presenting truth to them. But that's why I kind of think it's more, it's a maybe, but they could still be a Christian going to heaven as long as they have the A through Z could just like Deshaun said, people can be mistaken and make wrong decisions and take wrong stances, but still believe what they need to believe to get to heaven. Well said. And death penalty, we talked about at length. There are There's nuance to it, but we don't necessarily think it's a hill to die on either way. All right. What about the infallibility of Mary and importantly... Her ability to intercede
1: between us and Jesus. I don't think it's a hill to die on at all. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong. I think it's completely wrong. Okay. I think there are people who believe it, like Augustine did, who are clearly believers. Um, I do think, conversely, and you might get to this, but that the virginity of Mary is a hill to die on. The fact that that Jesus was virgin born. Now, not not the because that would disprove the prophecy. Is that why you think it's a hill to die on? Or well, that and I hold to a to a belief that the sin nature is passed through the seed of Adam. And so goes. he, 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 look, I'm just, I I'm know. just being we're, honest. We're, we're I'm being honest, honest, but Christ's impeccability that. is at stake. His, his sinless nature is so, at stake. So
3: God can do all this other stuff, but not that he can't, he we're can't. Sh- well,
1: sure he can, but like <laughs> I mean, he works, like, he works through the science that he has created. So I'm just saying, I think that the virgin birth for multiple reasons is, is a cardinal doctrine of the faith. I think to deny that is, uh, is to at least be in extremely dangerous waters and bordering on heresy.
3: All right. What do you guys think? The the Marian totality, you can go virgin birth all the way through infallibility and intercession.
0: I think it comes awfully close to it because it gets into um, solus Christus, Christ alone being our mediator mm-hmm. in all aspects of the term. Life, death, resurrection, work on the cross, kingly reign, present intercession, return to save— Reign in eternity. And I think if Mary sneaks up into that, right. we're getting pretty dang near a hill to die on that she needs to be removed.
2: And that's the, as we've been talking about, the danger with a lot of these is where there's particular parts people will speak about. Right. But when they move into things which it seems like we're all in agreement, the primary thing is about salvation and the nature of it and things pertaining to it. And so when um, Mary's elevated to that level, of co-savior, anything along that lines, um, that she's any kind of reasoning for us being saved. That's why I would say it's moving into that hill Yeah, I kind
3: of feel like it is. I mean, I don't know if I, I feel like I'm going to have more hills to die on this. (laughs) But but, (laughs) Um, even in the
0: Roman Catholic context, I've got Roman Catholic relatives at the wazoo. They do not believe... Personally, and this is just the family and friends that I have, they do not believe personally all the stuff that their priests tell them about Mary. Right. And so I would want to make a distinction here between the priests, cardinals, and popes who are teaching these things and are, in a sense, damning themselves and doing so, and the people that they're teaching who are not swallowing all these things. Right. There's a hefty distinction there. Sure. So we're
1: all, I think, in agreement, co redemption. Like Mary is co-redeemer
0: heresy. Insofar so far as you're taking away from Solus Christus, yes. you are that you are on on the but hill mere
1: to die. infallibility means she was perfect, but not a co redeemer I know, I, think it's wrong. I know it's in conjunction, but so it. so there's
3: certain aspects. The that intercession are... to me is big, huge. Yeah, I think huge. The, I think the virgin, the virginity, and the infallibility. You can't. I don't think you can be on opposite sides. I feel like either you can be wrong about that stuff, or you can't. And it seems like you're saying you can be no, wrong no. about the infallibility, but not the virgin.
1: No, no, I think you can be wrong that so so personally I believe that you could be wrong with whether it's confession to a priest or confession through Mary or the saints. I think you could be wrong and not be damned yeah. in that. I think yeah. you'd be very, very wrong. Like you're very, very wrong, but you're not damned for that.
0: Maybe it comes back to what Deshaun was saying. If you deny that Christ alone is the mediator. And you start adding all these other saints and Mary in along with it, mm-hmm.
1: that then you have crossed a line. So I'm sorry, I keep hijacking, but right? Pri- priesthood of believers. I feel like we're is making that that yeah. this more confusing Huge. than it should be. But well, there's so much here. Because like, <laughs> what's at stake here is the priesthood of believers, and I don't think that's a hill to die on. But I think it is absolutely true. Like I, I think that Christ is our only mediator; it's the only one that we can go through. Like we just go straight through Christ to the Father. But if somebody kind of adds in and says, "Well, I, I want to pray in the name of." Benedict or Mary or whatever like I'm like you're wrong that's that's unbiblical and it's dumb and it's wrong and it's it's harmful but I don't think it's like Damn I think it me. is I okay. think the
3: more we talk about it I think the more it is okay. and I could be wrong but I just feel like if you are doing that you are missing a a big thing
2: and I think that's a good point to make in it of things can matter even though they're not of first importance so they right. still do matter greatly for our spiritual walk right, maybe yeah and I was just saying so we and I think too many times when we do only think about the top-tier first-hand issues, it can feel like everything else is, hey, you can believe whatever you want to believe. We're not saying that at all. We're like saying if that, you were to just listen yeah. to say, so you
3: think I was okay with abortion and Aaron oh, doesn't yeah, care no, about no, substitutional not- atonement. Well, that's the point is because we're talking top-down. Yeah. Yes. So it
1: doesn't mean that these things these don't things matter. These things are incre- – everything yeah, they we they pretty still much covered is critically important. Right. Yeah. And and I think, the, I think the confusion, just to be – for those who are trying to track with us is – that so much of the secondary natures of doctrines undergird and explain yes. primary doctrine, that that's where all the convolution starts to kind of – because it's hard to disconnect priesthood of believers or, like you said, the infallibility of Mary from the co-redemption of Mary. It's like, almost it's hard like you have like, disconnect to ask
3: somebody, that. let them explain it, then you could determine yeah. whether or not yeah. it was a hill to die yeah. based on how they explain their position. All right, let's go to a little bit of a, an easier one that we've already <laughs> mentioned that I think is going to be a hill for all of us is the Trinitarian – relationship hill. Till hill to die on hill so yes. why so
1: so here we go we're talking not, about not, 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 in the weeds oh, the uh, ontological yeah. nature of the trinity yes meaning that the makeup of the trinity one you god in three say. persons the economics of the trinity meaning okay. how they function yep. i'm just being honest because <laughs> yes. that's what people are going to ask <laughs> I about i disagree <laughs> that, yes now now, now <laughs> did god the father die on the cross no he did not no is that a hill to die on Yes.
3: yes. Okay. I'm not saying it's One not. I'm not saying it's not. One of the other things is like, how far anti biblical can you get to where it's not a hill to okay. die on?
0: So, how far anti trinitarian can you get before you're anti trinitarian? No, but so, like
3: anti biblical so Like just what like well, the Bible right. same, says. Same thing. So, <laughs> would
1: you say that it is? So, so that's that's heresy. That's a hill to die on. The father didn't die on the cross. Yeah. But, um, is does the son does, does e- this, eternally submit to the father? No, no, but is that a hill to die on?
0: Yes. Historically, uh, yep. if we're saying, doing, See, what I'm saying. Did, yes, saying, historically, I I... what so, insert all of what Aaron said earlier about history. There's a whole group today, especially within Reformed Baptists from Southern Seminary and things like this. And Wayne Grudem, the ESV Study Bible, has a note about this that says and that is teaching that the Son eternally for all time has been in submission to the so Father. I would not says hold a dion, but historically, they're departing from what the Council of Nicaea has said and what the church has for thousands of years upheld and treasured. And so historically, when you depart from Nicaea,
1: you leave Orthodox Christianity. So, so talking about the economics of the journey, I'll just keep going. Does does the sun regenerate believers? No, the Spirit does. But is that a hill to die on? Yes. Okay. See, I would say no. Yeah, I don't. So think you, that's, yeah, I, that's I, I what don't I'm think saying. So when lot. I talk about when we talk about the Trinity, that's just to be clear, the weeds, reason that I, I, I say all this is because when we talk about the Trinity. When we start talking about the actual specific workings of the Trinity, now if you deny that like salvation is a work of the Triune God, right. That's a hill to die on. But if you start start picking apart exactly what each member accomplished, that's not necessarily a hill to die on. Important. I, I, at least I say, but when we talk about the makeup of the Trinity, when you start saying that um, at the outset – Powers, I think, said, Hey, I'll, tr- I'll try to think of somebody on a TV show who like portrays the Trinitarian relationship. Oh, and Peter or, or, and Powers said, Please don't. Okay. Then it was, and yeah, I'm like, I'm mean. like, the issue is is that you're going to fall into heresies because you're going to fall into like modalism. So you're going to have one dude who is playing different roles, which is modalistic thought that it's, it's putting on different coats or different disguises right. to be the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's not Trinitarian relationship. Or you end up with three gods. You end up with three distinct gods. And there you're with T.D. Jakes which, and oneness yes, Pentecostalism. Yes. So, That's when we talk about the makeup of the Trinity, I think that's more so at least my understanding what the foundational doctrine of the Trinity would be. Not to say you couldn't be in very serious error by denying other aspects of. I
3: also think an important part, like what we're talking about in our home group of like world religions a lot of world religions believe Jesus was like a good teacher or whatever. Yeah, versus no the Messiah the and come. part of the Trinity. I and think that's, that's an that, important part of the part Trinity. Of the as well. We're getting into makeup. some serious weeds, but I think that's more of like oh, these are not weeds. These are peaks I mean, of glory, <laughs> Peter. Yes, <laughs> but I mean, like, I think that some of it, like, like, what's your definition of submission? If you, whatever, I don't want to, I don't uh, want to yeah, get, no, I don't want to do I say, yeah, yeah, We're going
2: to get yeah, the whole yeah, debate yeah. with you. Yeah. Go ahead. What were you yeah. going to say? No, no, no. I was going to say not to go down that road. I know we we're about to get into a whole debate
1: that Correct. a lot of people have no idea. About. But the truth so is so You could literally do an are, entire season on Hills to Die On. Like we could pick apart every right. doctrine. Yeah. Right. And I mean, so there is a lot of weeds or oaks of glory. Um, but uh, Thank I, you. I, I agree. I I agree. agree. Yeah, yeah, what I about infallibility
3: of scripture? And like adding books, subtracting books, changing the order of books—is that a hill? Depends no, on what you may, mean. We may disagree depends on, on what something. you mean. That Bible and the way okay. it is
1: ordered, so could, and the fact that it's, could mistakes be in the King James Bible or the, or yes. the English Standard Bible? Yes. So then we're not yes, talking about the could. infallibility necessarily grammatically of modern translations. So when we're, we're talking about the original the, manuscripts, the, historic, the original the autographs, but I don't think a lot of Christians know that. Right. When, when we right. say the the inspiration and infallibility of scripture, the impeccability of scripture, we are talking about in its original manuscripts before right. it went through any transmission. Before
3: men yes. did all these different translations. And yeah. so
1: I would say, absolutely, that is. Like the the original manuscripts, the 66. And those 66 books, specifically. And those
0: 66 books. Do you notice That's how we keep coming on. back to the five solas here? We talked about solas right. Christus earlier. Exactly. Now we're talking about sola scriptura. Yes. Now... I, I think, just maybe fast forward to the end here, the five solas are a good summary of all the hills that we
2: need to die on.
3: Well, we'll, we'll we can get to that. But yeah. what do you think about I, 66? I have something
2: to say about that. No, no, we already agree. I'm, I'm in agreement with that. I think the Bible speaks to this clearly where God tells us not to add and not to take away from what he's given us. And so anybody who says— So you think somebody that
3: adds a book to the Bible, one of the other books, like a Catholic book, that they're going yeah. to hell? Oh, that's... and that's my question though <laughs> no, but but hold on, I, yeah, so, yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. so you think because based that's... on some of our other conversation I'm surprised to hear you say that because if the, a Catholic book if somebody believes that that's part of the Bible they're going to
2: hell so that's why I was saying about the denial element less mm. of the the utilizing or affirmation or not understanding. Cause I think a person who can pick up a Catholic Bible, um, and say, this is the Bible that I know, this is Bible I've understood right. and read through first Corinthians or whatever passage of scripture agree. and realize like, I, I truly believe in the Lord, but that's the right. Bible they keep. Right. I would not say they're going to hell because the matters I of first I importance. I, agree. I, I read think about. they're wrong, but, but I, I think, don't think it's, But if they were to hear that, Hey, that is wrong. whatever comes in the, um, standing or even more so that, you know, God is not infallible in his word and that, Either, you know, whatever kind of argument they'll use, that
1: they are going to a place where they're rejecting what God has they're said, do not sin. add or I mean, do there not. There has to not, at least right. be an affirmation of the 66. This, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think that's cardinal. Yeah. But if if they add to it, what then I think they're an error. Serious Grievous error. error. Grievous yeah. error. Grievous yeah. error. But yeah. are they damned? I agree with Pete. So, no, they're not. Right. They're not damned. Right. I
2: was about to throw it. another one, but I'll leave it alone. The whole getting rid of the Old Testament type stuff that's been going on <laughs> throughout for so long. Right. But even presently speaking where... Um, yeah, those are... I think we all can agree getting it. rid of the... <laughs> the I was, like, was going to leave it. You out. just said dispensationalist.
3: Uh, oh, Christians.
1: Yes. <laughs> oh, they love the Old El- Testament. Right. I'm is. joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> all right.
3: Next. The last one that I have, oh, and then we'll hear if you guys have any extras. Uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism.
1: Not a hill. Not a hill. So this is oh. where... This is where... <laughs> it is an oak of glory, <laughs> An oak of glory. Oh, <laughs> oh, we'll start not, with it's very important and it does matter. Yes. So. So here's the thing. What people fail to realize is that much of true Calvinism is a fight for the fundamentals of the faith against the established church of its day. Now, when people think of it in modern talk, they don't think of it that way. But it's important to remember that even Arminians came from the Reformation. The Reformation. Mm-hmm. And the defense like, – like more critical to Calvinistic theology than the tulip, which is very important, and that, that are – Flowers of glory on the tulips is the solas, which were not all that they weren't actually published by the reformers, they came out at different points in time, right? But these five solas from the Latin alone are in many ways. And the thing I was, until Powers brought them up earlier, is the only issue with the solas, and it's not an issue, it's awesome, but. When you say solus Christus, what do you mean by that? And when you start unpacking just that one Christ alone, Mm. there's so much to it that then you can start getting into secondary doctrines from it that are still so important, but are not. So the resurrection of christ is a hill to die on as a part of solus christus like you can't deny the physical resurrection of christ and be a true believer um but there are uh, the the atonement of christ is a hill to die on i think the virgin birth of christ the impeccability
3: i was more trying to pick ones that weren't hills to die on in case okay no no like are the ones like arguable
1: ones but i do want to
3: get to what the hills to die on. that's kind of the next question
1: yeah so but I'm, i'm saying i think so when you ask calvinism versus arminianism even the arminian I think at least almost all of them that I know would say, solus Christus, he's our only mediator. He's our only hope. Like it's it's not our works that save us. It's Christ The immediate
0: definition of these things. Yes. Both parties
1: in this question. scripture alone. is our final authority, Um, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I would say, no,
3: it's not, even though it like feels like it is sometimes. (laughs)
1: I think I think it it needs to be defined, it needs right. to be spliced out because Calvinism really was an encapsulation of so much of Christianity. I right. mean it includes eschatology, soteriology, you know. Oh yeah, so. that's a
2: good one. What about
1: yeah. eschatology and definitely types? not. Well, it's other than the second coming of Christ. Well, the visible bodily resurrection of the dead. So that is a cardinal doctrine of eschatology. So within every theological framework, there are certain cardinal doctrines within eschatology it is. So if you're a full preterist, as we've talked about in the past, you believe everything's been fulfilled in Christ's back. That is deemed heresy by almost all Christians. So when you talk about the physical... Bodily return of Christ to execute execute final salvation and judgment and the resurrection of the dead, that is a cardinal doctrine when it comes to the millennial reign. So
3: that is a hill to die on. That's
1: a hill to die right. on the second coming part, part of it. Yeah. But the millennial reign is not. Like it's it's not whether it's a literal thousand when years or how, yeah. yeah, or the tribulation period or the man of lawlessness or the beast of revelation, all that stuff is not a hill down. Still important, mm-hmm. still frames out and helps us understand our comfort and our hope and our um, but not a hill to die. On.
3: All right, so let's get to what the hills to die on are. But first, if we haven't thought any thought of some that you guys, if you're still listening and watching <laughs> at this point, <laughs> which
0: everyone is, uh, no one Put together. in the comments any
3: that we forgot, and we can discuss them maybe on the Q and A at the end of this season about whether or not they're hills die because there's got to be a ton more. We, that we, didn't we didn't talk think about of. like
0: fog lights,
3: <laughs> yeah, and smoke. Oh, that's whole. I mean, and Aaron doing backflips and skinny geez, jeans, guys. And stuff. Yeah, motorcycle. That could cause some to stumble, but we'll save that for another podcast. And a lot to
2: stumble climb myself. Um.
3: All right, so <laughs> why don't each of you give us a hill to die on? And Deshaun, you can go first, so you get the easiest. You get. The, I appreciate nobody's it. taking any of no, them.
2: I'm, I'm just gonna give First Corinthians 15 verses three and four. Do it. Aaron doesn't care
3: about your hill. To die on. He doesn't
2: care. He's gone. <laughs> he has So none. Paul, Paul says it clearly. Says for I deliver to you as a first importance. So he's saying there are certain matters that are more important, not that others don't. What I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12. And then he goes on to explain more of that he appeared to. And so what Paul is saying to us of matters of first importance is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, he raised And these are all in accordance with the scriptures. And so I think the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and his bodily resurrection, not just spiritual or all the kind of things that we would say are matters of first importance that Paul puts before us. And the scripture spent a lot of time speaking of this, even um, as we look at Galatians and the way that Paul is coming after some of the errors that are happening, where they're trying to put their hope in something else outside of that and the implications of it. So that's what I would say is one of the first So things. if
1: someone denies that Jesus physically died on the cross and physically rose again, can't be a Christian. No nope. heresy. We that all we all agree. Yeah. We all agree uh, yeah, on that. that, that would be it. He'll die. be a heresy. Yeah. yeah.
3: And I think it's funny, like when you when we've mentioned already talking about our kids and and our kids that are Christians and like the things that they know and repeat and think, like that that's one of the keys. Yeah. The like you got yeah. to. Yeah. If you yeah. don't believe that, then yeah. keep keep working. Keep working through it. All right.
1: You're gonna
0: steal mine, aren't Adam, you? Adam, go ahead. <laughs> I'm totally stealing Aaron. We're like
3: ESPNing here.
0: So I view the church as let's let's say a baseball field. So there're nine positions out on the field. There's a lot of space on a baseball field to sit down and camp and do life. But there is a wall that eventually you go beyond and then there's a parking lot where you're not even in the stadium and things like this. Or in some stadiums you're in the river. I think it's very helpful. Historically, there are those moments where there there are the positions. There's the Apostles' Creed, defines Christianity. There's the Nicene Creed, defines it. There's the Chalcedonian Creed of 451, defines it. You move forward, there's the five solas of the Reformation, define the faith. All of these describe for us, I think, the hill's we ought to die on and do life in. And insofar as we deny these things, we're not in the stadium, we're not on the field, but if we embrace them, we are a true part of the true church that has gone back ever since Christ began it. So pick one. Five solas. Okay, so in conjunction. I refuse to pick one, I love them all. You're ridiculous to ask me to do this.
3: <laughs> well, why would, do you define the five would, solas?
0: Sola scriptura, scripture alone.
3: Okay. This which
0: is a Which whole we've already demanded the, uh, disbanded.
1: Why don't we do a podcast on the five solas? How about that? How about we do five podcasts, I'm just saying, like, one right. on right. each for one? So, so, I don't think we've so listed in the, them on the English all. Scripture alone, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, God's glory alone. Like, so that, if you do English. it
3: because you think you love Jesus and not you don't think you're doing it for God's glory, does that mean you're not going to heaven?
1: It's it's not a it's not I'm a just saying, I think why we think do the, it. It's an affirmation that right. would say yes. Right, right. I, I, there are some definitely yeah. some people that would right, say I'm, yes a, for I'm sure. gonna take it from powers after, it. after that. Let's hear. So it. I see Christianity as a baseball. No, I'm just kidding.
3: I see Remember that see it, it you as a field, a much more exciting sport.
1: Justification. Packer said that. Christianity is like the world, and justification is Atlas. And if Atlas trips and stumbles, mm, then all cute. of Christianity comes crashing to the ground, and um and that's how I see it with justification. I know this is this is tough, and I'm not joking around. I say it's tough because of the Catholic podcast that we did, and and I, I think I was clear on that. That if they are wrong on justification, if they are are trusting in their works, um the "ustificare" as they translate it in Latin, uh, that I am. I am justified, I'm, I'm made righteous, or I'm infused with righteousness, I think that is a hill to die on. Um, Sean, this is they, admitting that. Nope, it's not. It's not. On I think I'm completely know. Know. consistent with that podcast. we, that we, that we know. if to That if they are in line with <laughs> the know. Vatican know. teachings, that it is salvation of faith plus works, um, based on merit, yeah. our merit and Christ. That's not the that's, gospel. That's not the gospel. It's no. not the gospel anymore. No. So, so the chiasune is the true gospel. That's the Greek word for that, that righteousness, which is an imputed righteousness or a declared righteousness, an alien righteousness, as Luther would say, where the credit is all Christ, 100% the work of Christ is imputed to, credited to the bank account of our souls. And that is, we are justified. We're declared right before God. That is a cardinal doctrine of the faith. And every false faith, every uh, cult that is branched out of Christianity, uh, and even some within supposed Christianity, if they add, by admission, a distinction of our merit or our works to that, which goes back, yes, to Sola Gradia. Sola Fide and Sola Fide and Solus Christus. Yeah, those three by yeah. by grace through faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the process of justification. That's why the solas are so important. The process of justification has to remain unaltered. Um, the, the work of justification is God's work. This is why when you ask, hey, is Calvinism Arminianism? Right, exactly. Like, like Calvinism, like really focuses on this. The beauty, yes, it total depravity, unconditional election, and all that. But it focuses on that justification is by. Grace alone, the the merit of Jesus applied by faith, which is a work of the Spirit. The faith faith is gifted us by the Spirit, so it's all His. It's all His work. It's uh, and people might not understand that; they might not wrap their But as they're introduced to that doctrine, I, I hope I believe that they begin to see the truth and the beauty of justification, and that to me is just it's kind of the lynchpin. Everything else like hangs. So. Yes. Atlas is a good one. A- yeah.
0: and, and it's not only good for justification. Atlas carrying that is a good picture of
1: these hills. Yeah. That globe could be any of these. Like yeah. if you deny – like that globe yeah. could be the Trinitarian relationship. And you False. deny the makeup of the Trinity, yep. all Christianity dis- disbands. You deny yeah, the resurrection, all Christianity yep. just disbands. But all those are – like I would say they're undeniably linked to justification and redemption. Like that – the Trinitarian relationship, if you deny that, you are denying justification. Like you can't get to justification by denying the Trinitarian relationship. Or uh, if you deny the resurrection, you can't get to justification. Like justification is not there anymore. And so um, they all – I think that's another distinction, not, not just church history and, yes, obviously supported hmm. of Scripture and our certainty. But um, the link between these cardinal doctrines to one another. So if you deny a certain cardinal doctrine, you're out of necessity – most often denying other certain cardinal doctrine. You deny the Trinity, you're starting to deny resurrection yeah. and supernatural yeah. regeneration. And like, so you're just starting to like pick apart things and all of Christianity starts to unravel around you. Yeah. I wanted
2: to add something in about, on that second tier that we were talking about, cause even as we presently sit here, where we can differ on things like baptism or if some people have difference on oh, yeah, communion. Man. Yeah, things along that lines where it's not saying somebody's not a believer. Cause I've just, I've been around those environments and settings where wait, we're not even gonna talk because you have a difference on baptism. I think some Christians take that too far where we can maybe may not end up at the same church, but we can affirm that, hey, that's a brother in the Lord, that we, just, we disagree upon this issue. So things like that of also being careful um, to not separate over particular
1: things. But understand that we don't have to go to the same church. We've talked about moral issues. We've talked about the illogical issues. These all of our podcast topics. I was going to say, there's also, there are also behavioral <laughs> issues that I think are hills to die on. Like, for example, just to be honest, if a woman or a man, for that matter, has the occupation of like a stripper dancer or a prostitute or something like that, and they say they're a follower of Christ, we would all say, you sure about that? Most likely not. Yeah. Like, especially if it's unrepentant, you're going on in that. And that's a behavioral issue. It's not a, theo- granted, it comes from a, a misappropriation of theology, but that's a behavioral issue where we're, or quite honestly, a, a unrepentantly, dude, living with, sleeping with his girlfriend. You know, which, I mean, could they be a Christian? Okay, yeah, they could be, but eventually repentance is going to come. And then when it doesn't, it proves that their theology and the application of that theology through faith is fraudulent, I, I think. And so there, there are other things, because I think a lot of the things we're facing there are cultural and behavioral things that people are asking about. It's not just the Trinitarian relationship, the nature of justification. It's, you know, this person says they're a Christian, but they do this, they live this way. You know, there's a lot of grace and there's a lot of forgiveness and there's a lot of, of we're all, we all still struggle and we all still sin, but to live that way completely in a haphazard, irreverent way toward God I think that that, that's a a problem. That's a major problem. I
3: agree. And it's funny because, and again, this may be a little bit of legalism or being a recovering Baptist, but like one of the things I talk about with my kids when being a Christian, the things that they affirm to me is love God and obey God. Like obey God is one of the things. If you just like disregard what he says and disregard any of the law or the Bible or how he says to live, then I don't think you're a Christian. Like I think that is a hill to die on. Like you're saying, unrepentant you don't care, you think you're good, you think you're going to heaven because you say you're going to heaven, but you still do
1: whatever you want, and you don't care what God says. It's super clear from Scripture. Like, we did, we did 2 Thessalonians 2, 1-12 through 12 this week. At the end of it, Paul says they're condemned because they did not believe the truth, love the truth, and delight in righteousness. So there's this link between mm. those that, All three. that yeah, it's, it's it's not like, hey, we have too many, too many people today who are just, like, believing the truth, supposedly, but there's no following God, there's no obeying God, there's no delighting the in His righteousness, yeah, that's what and, and true salvation. Is, and we would argue this this is lordship, which I think is a heel to die on, perseverance of the saints. Like it's a heel to die on in a sense of, of true Christianity changes us from the inside out. We're, we become sanctified in Christ. And so are we still flawed? Are we still struggle and mess up and jacked up and motivations out of place? Yes. But is there going to be a pattern of repentance in our lives and a, and a seeking to the light in God's glory and a seeking to live in the joy of the Lord like there's going to be a seeking after that So when there's no conviction over sin um, which is behavioral like there's no I don't feel guilt or a weight of condemnation a weight of conviction I guess I should say over my sin. So we got people listening right now who are like walking in sin but like that conviction that you feel is a good right. stirring. Like that's a Not good that you won't thing. Sin, yeah, yeah, exactly. But that it's
3: important, and you, um, and that's a hill to die on. Because because there's just to way
1: too much. I mean, Bonhoeffer wrote about it in his day trust the disciples. The there's just way too much casual Christianity, just complacent cavalier Christianity. Of I pray a prayer. I went to church. I go to church once a month. Like I don't. And that is yeah. There, there's theological idiosyncrasies there, but really that's behavioral. And and personal and that i think is a is a hill that christians need to fight on and die on is that sanctification is just as important as that's, justification
2: that's yeah. what i was about to ask then essentially so we're saying then sanctification is one of those hills to die on and the distortions of it and the many different ways that it can happen is something that we do have to think more deeply
1: about. It's, in the part, chain, right? it's part of the golden chain of redemption. Right. Like it's conformity to the image of Christ is to a certain degree, some faster than others, some more fruit than others, but everyone's some fruit at some point. Yeah. Like, I mean, the Bible's like, clear about that. Yeah. That's yeah. super, super clear. That's what the Christian life looks like. And too much of our day is trying to barbarize that. So, yeah. Amen. So we've seen not only
0: how practical this topic is, that theology really matters and it shows itself in life. But perhaps some of our listeners don't know, for us as pastors, this is so important because we have to determine with the elders and with the leadership of the church, as we look upon our people in regards to membership, who should we let in as members of our church? There has to be something that we affirm together. These are these hills, right? Who do we bring into church discipline, those who have departed from these hills? And who are we going to work with to bring back into restoration when they come back into a right understanding and practice of these hills? And so this might have seemed, I don't know, for some a little bit too thick
1: at times, but it is so rubber meets the road. Yeah, It's not to say we wouldn't separate, not in a mean way, capricious way, but we wouldn't separate from people who we disagree on secondary doctrines with. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to work alongside some people who are, for example, who are egalitarian, like, and, and, you know, we went, we went through that podcast of women pastors. It doesn't mean that they're unsaved. It's just difficult to work alongside. But, but when we talk about the hill to die on, I don't think complementarianism and egalitarianism is a hill to die on personally, because I don't think it damns somebody, but I think it's still wrong. Like it's, you know, egalitarianism is wrong. So, um, the patriarchal um, way of thinking is wrong still. So that's important for our viewers as well. It's not that we're saying this is the only thing that's important. We're saying this is a first important, right. yeah. so like, you know, 1 Corinthians mm-hmm. 15. Um, and then there are secondary things that are critically important as yeah, well. Yeah, they affect mm-hmm. our ability to labor with one another because we yeah. have
2: to be in agreement in these things to practically function as a church. And so using things like we're talking about with baptism or complementarianism, some people may, some people may, I was a, I know. I, I think don't. we can even be in the same church
0: and on the same staff. I mean, Sunrise is doing it. Okay, where yeah. we All differ right. on baptism.
2: So would you have baptism in the second or third tier? Second. Okay. And But you think it would be good as, let's say, for example, somebody does not believe in credo baptism, but they'd be more on the paedal side to then have to baptize somebody in your church in that way? I don't think they
0: should have to. I think okay. both can be practiced in the same congregation. Okay.
3: I think it's difficult. <laughs> There's all Deshaun's saying, saying. I, I think difficult. it's difficult. Yeah. But again, I think that's it why we wrap it back to the beginning, oh, yeah, no, which is where possible, we yeah. defined hill to die on yeah, and what we meant by that and I think we've we've dug in plenty deep on this so good question thank you sunrise
1: bring more but I think that's all we got that's pretty much it I mean there's so much there's there's, there's so much more there's a lot more more of these oaks that need to be revealed yeah Mr. Um, Weeds um, over there (laughs) gosh Uh, no, but uh, thanks for tuning in today. If you have questions, please, we'll do a follow-up on this um, with specifics. I, yeah. think, so, I think some of these issues of— We do a part I, two. I, I, I think one last thing to say is is the, the primary doctrines, these, this hills, these hills of the island, are, are rather narrow. Um, there's not a ton of them. I think the secondary doctrines, there's a ton of them, and yeah. some of them we divide over, and some of them we don't divide mm-hmm. over. So That's well really, said. really broad. Well and um, So anyway, if you have questions, submit them. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll hope to do better next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Out of Oz. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.